Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Oh, that was an extra long and it was. You really held it for that extra half second. I'm working on my breathing control. (laughs) Hold the long notes. I uh, I literally am not going to ask you any follow up to that because I just don't want to know <laughs> at all. So. Fair enough. Moving on. Um, yeah, week three or was it week three this week? Right, week two. It was. Uh, yeah, it was week week three technically because yeah, of week right. zero. No, I think this was week three. Oh my god, I don't even know. It was week three, but there was week zero. No, I think this is week three, even with week zero. No, it's not because Penn State played three games and they didn't play week zero. So it was week three. If you don't include week zero, they, <laughs> I, we have to keep this in. Um, <laughs> Colin, I need you to do this math for me. Penn State didn't play week zero, right? Right. But they played three games. Yes. So what week was this? Week three. That's yeah, but you're going if you don't include week zero. If you include week zero, it's technically week four. Okay, okay, I see where the difference was here. I see where the difference was here. Um, man, we are we are on it today. <laughs> I told you, I was I literally worked all weekend. I was up so late last night. I worked all day today. Let's just soldier through this. <laughs> let's, just, let's just do this. It's gonna be a thirty-two minute show. Um, most of it's going to just be me stupid. Um, all right. Let, we, we have a really similar format for the show here this week, guys, uh, as we have the past couple of weeks. Uh, but this is going to be the last week we do this format. We wanted to give a very consistent approach the first few weeks here just because the first couple of weeks can be really important from a waiver perspective, uh, you know, from, from what we can learn to set our lineups moving forward perspective. We'll still have some of the same things, but uh, this is last week for real and imagined, uh, for example. Um, but we'll still do, you know, stock up, stock down. Uh, we'll still have our waiver wire stuff. We'll ha- we'll do a couple uh, game reviews. Uh, just some, sits. yes, just some other stuff on the periphery. I'll be moving around a little bit because, um, yeah, we we have uh, almost twenty five percent of the season done here. We we should have as small of a sample size as three games is. We should have a pretty good uh, idea of what's going on at large uh, within the college fantasy uh, landscape. So before we jump in here, guys, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of these pods on one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or you can check out the weekly Friday drops that recap the week and the Fantasy Points media group. All right, week three, we finally figured it out. Review here. Uh, three games we're going to discuss a little bit about. Uh, the first one was the big one of the week, Alabama, Florida. Uh, two top 15 teams there uh, a close game Alabama ended up winning 31 29 let's start on the Bama side because that's what most people care about uh, Bryce Young was just really efficient was not phased at all by the, by the big game 22 for 35 240 yards three touchdowns uh, just just another solid performance uh, out of him I refuse to talk about this game I'm boycotting it they cost me a lot of money this weekend. 
they cost me my five team parlay. I'm sorry. I'm upset. No, um, they, they did, but I'll still talk about it for the people. You're welcome, people. Um, yeah, Bryce Young just continually looks like the best uh, quarterback here in the uh, – maybe even in college right now, honestly. Um, you know, the the other top guys are kind of struggling. DJU's kind of struggling. And Bryce Young just keeps going out there, keep still looking good. And he doesn't even really have the cast of skill players that – other quarterbacks at Bama have benefited from. He doesn't have the cast of skill players like CJ Stroud at Ohio State. They're kind of on par with Clemson's guys. They're like right there. Um, Bama? Yeah. I think his skill guys are so they're they're so far ahead of Clemson. We're gonna have a discussion about this later. There That's are like fair. two players on Clemson that I like, and everybody else is just a, a roster clogger, but we'll talk about that later. Fair enough. Um but and I mean it's 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 either way, it's not like this incredible cast of skill guys like they've had the past couple of years there. I mean, they're good, but he's I think also making some of these guys look better than maybe what they are. Uh, I think he looks really good, and we haven't still haven't even really seen him use his legs that much, um, which he can do. So I big stock up here for Bryce Young as as he faces a another good defense. The the uh, the commentary on the game was really big on. They were saying, you no, know, there were times where maybe he could have run and got three yards or whatever. I mean, he's fairly elusive. I mean, we never know what would have happened, but you know, there wasn't this enormous running lane. But he is just so smart with how he buys time. He strings the play out. He, he gets defenders to commit a little bit, and he, and he just finds the open guy. I mean, he really is a, a Russell Wilson level player from a cerebral you know just intelligence standpoint from uh a play style standpoint from he's got a really nice arm i think people say like you know dju has like a just a, a cannon for an arm young's arm is comparable it's not significantly worse than dju's i we haven't really seen him have to just absolutely air it out yet partially because that line protects him and partially because I just think he's a smarter player than DJU is. Um, and so he, he puts himself in positions where he doesn't necessarily have to do that. Uh, but I, I, I just am blown away every week. I think he is probably the best Debbie quarterback right now, uh, just in terms of pure NFL potential. Um, and so, I mean, his, his ascent there, I mean, He's surrounded by good players, but you still have to do it. And he has definitely gone out and done it. Um, the one thing I will say that's very annoy- annoying about him, it's very anti-Alabama. Like They spread the ball around so much, uh, both with the running game and with passing targets, that we just don't want to start any of these guys for fantasy, really, do we? Or at least we can't consistently rely on any of them? No, it's, it's really disappointing there because... Um, they're they're good uh that you know they put up collectively put up good numbers but you can't rely on them because we just don't know who's going to be the one to 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 break it out this week you know i mean jace mcclellan had the receiving touchdown early in the game um you know they they just they, they mix it up and it's it's definitely frustrating for a cff perspective um and i still am a believer in jace mcclellan for a Devi perspective so uh i i still like him brian robinson um, he's kind of he's okay he's fine um i don't love him 
I don't think, and I actually had, you know, when I when I assumed Brian Robinson was coming out last year, I have Robinson graded better than I had Kylan Hill graded, and we like Kylan Hill. I don't think Robinson is a bad player. Now, again, you can argue if he's going to be a fifth-round NFL draft pick and he's not really a starter for your fantasy team, then then what are we really getting out of that? And I, I would tend to agree with you, uh, but just, like, I, I think people just, just assume, oh, like, he's the worst Bama back in 15 years, which... He probably is. <laughs> That's still a, probably a pretty good player with the, with the guys that they've put in the league. Um, but I just think people just write him off and just dismiss him offhandedly. I don't think he's a bad player at all. I, I think he's he's relatively shifty. He's relatively powerful. Like he kind of just I could see him being in the NFL for five or six years and, and playing for a couple of different teams. But but um, but beyond him. Uh, McClellan had a decent game. He got nine carries, didn't do a lot with it, but he was dangerous in the passing game. I like to see that. But yeah, I mean, Billingsley had one catch and a touchdown. You know, we thought Latu might be doing something there. He did nothing. Jojo Earl only had one catch this week. Mechie had six catches, but but not a ton of yardage. So it's um it, it's definitely kind of a toss up there. Um, I I did think that Emory Jones. I watched this whole game. I thought he actually played pretty well. Um, yeah, he played better than I expected. Uh, he didn't play great by, by any means, but he played better than expected and he didn't, he didn't crush Florida in this one. He kept a minute, uh, you know, he kept that game close. So, you know, they were, they were in all the way up until the very end. So yeah, he played, he played fine. I, I was actually very impressed with him. I thought he he did not get frazzled. They got down early. I mean, it, this was kind of a game where Alabama got out like 21 to 6 or something. You were like, here we go. Bama's rolling them. And, and then they did a really good job of hanging in there, not panicking, fighting back, not trying to get all the points at once, which I think is an underrated mindset. I think a lot of teams, you know, coaches say don't do it, but but they, you know, they want to hit the home run and, and kind of get, come back fast. They didn't do that. He was really good running the ball. I thought he didn't really put the ball in harm's way as a passer. I think this is definitely going to put to bed, at least for a little bit, the, the cries for Anthony Richardson there, um, who, by the way, I guess uh, um, resident Gator uh, expert Adam Lewis has said that we're never going to see Anthony Richardson start this year. So, um, and he Barring tends, injury. and he tends to kind of know these things. So, um, I would pump the brakes there, uh, based on Jones's performance and, and, you know, the, the surrounding facts. Yeah. There are few people whose, uh, Gator opinion I trust more than Adam Lewis. Um, and he's, yeah, he's, he's plugged in down there. So, Barring injury, yeah, probably not going to see Anthony Richardson start. You know, he'll probably get a continuous similar role that we saw early on in the season, and that's going to kind of make it frustrating for fantasy. But if you were waiting for him to seize the job and really break out, I don't think it's coming this year. Yeah, it's not coming. Um, Auburn-Penn State, a really good game here this weekend. Auburn went up north to Happy Valley. Um, I'm just – Colin's dancing, and I'm ignoring it. I'm looking at my other screen. Um <clears throat> Uh, Penn State wins 20-20. It's not a surprise. I think the majority of us picked Penn State on the tailgate this weekend. Except Brandon. Uh, I know I, see I did. You, Brandon. Um, they, they it was not. It was moderately exciting because the game was close, but like neither team was really good or exciting. Uh, but I mean, I think Penn State's a solid team overall. Uh, they moved up to what six or seven this week in the poll, and I think that's 
that, that that's a pretty good spot for them there. Um, Sean Clifford, 28 for 32, very efficient, 280 yards. Um, and, and he fed Jahan Dotson a lot of the night. Uh, Dotson had 10 catches, 78 yards, touchdown. How early can Jahan Dotson go in the NFL draft this year? I think Jahan Dotson would be a day two guy. Um, maybe even a round two guy. Um, you know, back half of round two, I think, is his ceiling. Uh, but I think it's more likely he'll be like a he's very firmly in the third round. I think he can go round two. I, I definitely don't think he's a round one guy. I, I, so first off, I think Chris Olave is a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I won't argue that. I don't think there's that much of a gap there between them. I really, really don't. I think uh, teams are going to draft them to do this to play the same role. Um, a, a guy that they can, they can both do a little bit of everything, but I think they're really at their best when you're asking them to at least a decent amount of time work deep and and scare teams deep. They're both they're both pretty fast, and they both just have that that kind of built up acceleration and speed where you don't really notice it, and then you turn your head and they're gone. They both kind of have that that similar skill set, um, not that different size wise. Um, so I don't I don't see why Dotson would go super far after chris Olave does um but maybe that's just that's just me I, I don't what do you think about that i think a lot of it is perception um i'm with you i don't see that big of a difference between them i do think Olave is better um but i, I think a lot of it is perception Olave was has more hype uh, you know he's also coming from ohio state in that loaded room so i do think he'll get drafted you know, a decent amount ahead of Dotson, but I wouldn't surprise me if they have very, very similar careers in the NFL. Um, other storylines from that game. I mean, Penn State. Right now, is there anybody else that you really trust on that team from a fantasy perspective? Um, no, not really. Uh, I like Parker Washington, but I, I don't trust Clifford enough to support two fantasy relevant wide receivers. Uh, Noah Kane is pretty clearly the lead back there. Um, you know, he had 19 carries in this one. The next closest running back had two. Uh, so he's very clearly the, the best, uh, the lead back in that offense. So he'll kind of be matchup dependent. You could probably start him occasionally on some weeks or if you're in a real pinch, uh, but I wouldn't feel super comfortable about it. Uh, and then, Clifford, if you're in a really deep league and you need a quarterback, then, I mean, fine. Um, you know, he's had two really tough matchups here to start the year, and Wisconsin is a very good defense. Auburn also has a good defense. So I think better days are ahead for Penn State in, in general as a uh, as a fantasy offense are, are coming. Now they do get Iowa coming up soon as well. Uh, they get Ohio State, they get Michigan, but they're going to have some softer ones in there. But no, it's really Dotson. Uh, on the Auburn side of things here, I think yeah, we Penn State was able to confirm two things uh, that, that we already thought we knew. Bo Nix is really not very good. He came back down to earth, 21 for 37, 185 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And then Tank Bixby had himself a nice game, better than I thought he would. Uh, 23 yeah. carries, 102 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Anything worth taking away from that? Um, yeah, I think. Um, well, I mean, Bone or uh, Bonex bad, 
Tank Bigs be good. Yeah, we got that one. Um, I think the other takeaway there is Jarquez Hunter looked good again. Um, nine carries, 63 yards. He had some nice carries against Penn State's defense. Penn State has a good defense. Um, so I think he is a guy to to take more seriously um, than what I was. You know, I, I'm not that I wasn't taking him completely seriously, but given their two matchups that they had to open the season, I don't even remember who they played the first week, but it was soft. And then they got um, Akron, who is quite possibly the worst team in college football. How uh, dare you? That is that is UMass's <laughs> title. You take that back, sir. I would love to see Akron versus UMass. They should um, have a toilet bowl playoff every year. The worst they should. teams. They should. UConn is in there. So I think, is it UConn that, that uh, Bill Connolly tweeted out? Like, as of right now, they're like the worst team in the S&P uh, index or whatever since like the like 1920s or something. They're terrible. Yeah, I think I remember that. Um, I remember I was going to bet on uh, it was because the line for the UConn Army game was like 42 points or something like that. And I was like, I don't know if Army can actually score 42 points. They got up on them big and they got up on them quick. And I'm glad I didn't bet on that one. Yeah, it's th- those big lines are always enticing. And then they sometimes like they for some reason just always hit. Um, like yeah. They're, they're they're big lines for a reason. Uh, the last game here I want to discuss, um, not not the biggest necessarily, you know, the, not the the grandeur that, that the other two games here had, but Fresno UCLA, the the, the California championship here. Um, if you stayed up on the East Coast, I was up till almost two thirty watching this game, um, but it was a doozy. Uh, Fresno wins by three forty thirty seven. Uh, lots of big stat lines here. Uh, Jake Hayner, who got injured in overtime, was basically dragging himself down the field. Um, 39 for 53, 455 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Ronnie Rivers, 21 carries, 136 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Cropper, 14-141 and one. The big guns showed up, but, ha- I mean, Hayner... It, it, it was a gutsy, gutsy performance. It really, really was. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was a big time game from Jay Kaner. Um, I imagine that he will be a topic of, uh, of discussion by a lot of people throughout the week this week. Um, Cause that, not that he wasn't really on the map, but this type of a game is what, you know, you can kind of stake your, your, your future on. And this is the kind of game that makes, uh, more mainstream people start paying attention to him as a draft prospect as well. So I expect he's going to be a topic of discussion um, in the near future here. Uh, I will just say um, Riddler from the the program league, man, that was a, that was a tough loss for me. I had, I was going up against rivers and cropper uh, and uh, they, they came back and beat me real, real late on uh, on Saturday night. That one hurt. Yeah, it was it was just a really impressive performance. And just to give you guys an idea, um, Fresno Fresno got was up most of the game. UCLA forced a turnover with like five or six minutes left or something in the fourth. Went down and scored. Uh, Fresno drew like they and then they basically just exchanged touchdown drives in the last like three minutes. And Fresno had about forty seconds left before they went down and, and won. It, it was honestly just. 
incredible if you have if you can find a replay of this game somewhere seriously uh do yourself a favor uh go watch it um we'll skip over cropper for now because i think we're going to talk a little bit about him later here ucla uh are we concerned at all about this run game which was slowed a, a little bit here uh this weekend fresno I thought they would provide less resistance than they did. They only gave up 117 yards total on the ground. And that includes 67 of Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yeah. Um, it was definitely surprising. Uh, they only ran the ball what, 29 times total, but 13 of those were from DTR. So um, in terms of running backs, there were 16 running back carries all game, which you got to figure that's not what, um, UCLA wants to do that big second quarter from Fresno kind of put them out of their game script a little bit. Uh, so I think the, just the lack of volume from the rushing offense was a little bit surprising. They were not very efficient either. I mean, Zach Charbonnet got his two touchdowns to kind of save his fantasy day a little bit. Uh, but beyond that, it's, it was not a good one this week. I, I again, I think this is a, situation where better days are going to be ahead for for this rushing offense i i don't think this is going to be indicative of how it's going to look the rest of the year i still like this offense and this game was only as close as it was because of dorian thompson robinson he was really good in the fourth quarter especially down the stretch leading them down the field quickly 14 for 24 on the day 278 yards three touchdowns uh really no mistakes i mean he he played really really well exceeded my expectations i don't have any other comment on that because i don't think i still don't think he's a good player but just it, it was a very good performance out of him and more than i expected uh, from him especially when it became obvious that they had to pass and he still did a really good job of it yeah uh, yeah i think that that is kind of what i was hoping to see from him this year um i mean he had a couple he no he didn't really look that good against lsu um i was gonna say he had a couple of moments but this was really like his big uh his, his best performance that he's he's had so far throughout the year so um hopefully he can keep these up and not make my bold take look uh of the of the preseason look totally crazy um but yeah i was i was impressed by him as well yeah. All right. Let's move in here to stock up, stock down, Colin, a segment we've been doing here weekly. Uh, we're each picking two guys that that's with stock up two with stock down. Uh, you've got the presumptive Heisman favorite here. Yeah, I think that he has. I mean, it's it's we've seen these moments from him in the past. Um, it's Matt Corral. We've seen these types of games from him in the past. We knew he had it in him, but it's all about the consistency and at least through the early part of the year, he's been very consistent. Um, so in 68.8% uh, percent of his passes, he's completing 997 yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, looks very good as a passer. Uh, and they haven't had the easiest of schedules. Um, you know, they've, they've had some decent games throughout the year. It'll be interesting to see how he looks against, you know, as he goes into the SEC schedule here. But uh, yeah, Matt's Matt Corral, big stock up. He's looking like he also could be the favorite for the 101 with the way that Spencer Rattler has not really looked that great. Um, Sam Howell's bounced back here, but uh, you know, Matt Corral offers more with his legs. Um, he's got a huge cannon of an arm, so I don't know. We could maybe see him be the 101. 
we we talked all offseason about how Lincoln Riley basically after a few games with Jalen Hurts there said we are going to establish the run we're going to run the ball more because you're just flat out not a very good quarterback we are going to do the things that you do well but we're not go- we're not going to do them very often and that that's how they kind of adapt that offense around Jalen Hurts they did the same thing this week in the second half there uh for Oklahoma uh for Spencer Rattler they, they ran the ball 50% of the time in the second half there, and they basically said, okay, no more fuck it throws. Like, we're going to dumb this down. We're going to make it so you can't do that anymore, uh, which obviously was way less explosive and kept Nebraska in the game. But they Lincoln Riley is quickly realizing that, that Rattler, with all the progress he was making last year, I don't know what he did. If he went home and, and had someone in his ear, in his ear saying, got it, like, you were too conservative, bro. Like, you got you to be airing this out. Um, because he is playing so stupid. So I, uh, Hal this week was actually really good. I, I was really, really impressed with him. I think that that week one is looking more and more like a, um, a little bit of an anomaly there. Um, so I wouldn't have a problem now if somebody, you know, somebody said, oh yeah, Matt Corral is about to go first overall in the draft. Like that just wouldn't shock me at all. No, me either. And, um, you know, second shout out of the show here. I think Adam Lewis had said that at uh, at one point as well, that Matt Corral was his uh, favorite of the class here. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was him. But yeah, I think that Matt Corral, like, I mean, like you said, possible Heisman favorite with his performances. I think he has to be right now, like uh, the odds on. I haven't looked at the odds, but um, I don't see how he wouldn't be. Uh, the, the matchup versus Bama will determine it because I think it'll come right. down to him or Bryce Young. Um, so th- that game's going to kind of decide that whole thing for no us. Tank Bigsby. <laughs> the hope's still there. <laughs> if, if they had won this weekend, then I think we could, because w- w- with Bo Nix having that game, then maybe we could have started, started to talk about it a little bit, but, um, that's what I, I said. Auburn had to win that game. So, that's fair. um, I feel like that, that dream is probably gone. Um, I put Travion Henderson down as a stock up. And I think I put him on here just to kind of prompt a, a bigger discussion here from the two of us. Uh, I was arguing with people all day today on Twitter about this. I think this is very much a very poor process uh, type type thing here. I'm sorry. I'm sub sub podcasting you right now. Um, everybody that <laughs> listens to this, that you know, if I'm talking about about you right now. <laughs> There is zero reason. I, I people are saying Trayvon Henderson is is better than B. John Robinson. He should be the RB one. If he was not already your RB one, I don't know what happened this Saturday that he could have gone from wherever you had him to RB one when Bijan also averaged double digits yards per carry had three touchdowns, was basically Texas's entire offense on the day. This coming after he averaged 13 yards a carry as a true freshman. I don't know what we're doing if we're going to say that Travion is the RB1, but I certainly think that he, by the end of the season, it looks like he could very well lock himself in as the RB2 or in that top tier with Bijan. Yeah, if you wanted to put him as your RB2, I wouldn't really have any complaints about that. Um, I think that that's a reasonable spot to put him. Um, I don't know if I'm quite there yet because we liked him all, all off season. We all, we always thought he was good. Um, you know, and we thought he was going to get a chance at some point this year. So nothing has happened 
that we didn't kind of already expect. I mean, okay, yeah. So he put up was like 270 yards, something like that, but it was Tulsa. Tulsa's not good. They are not the team that they were last year. This Tulsa team is 0-3. They're pretty bad. Um, you know, so yeah, he beat up on Tulsa, but that, eh, doesn't really impress me that much. Um, you know, let's see if he can do it again later on in the year uh, against some tougher competition. But like I said, I we didn't this isn't anything that we didn't really expect. But it was a huge performance. So if you do want to move him up a couple spots, I don't hate it. Um, but over Bijan is just insanity. Yeah, I mean, it was a great game. Don't get me wrong. I thought he was awesome. I think it was it was certainly, like you said, what we expected. Obviously, probably exceeded a little bit. But I mean, right. it, he it was the same exact thing he did in high school. I mean, it, it wasn't like this kid was a bum and he just stepped out on the field and was amazing. Um, does this spell the end for for Mayan Williams? Is he is he done there? Yeah, probably. I mean, he'll he'll still get some run this year. He'll be the, like the number two guy. You know, I think Master Teague is done. Master Teague is definitely done. Um, Mayan Williams will get some carries here and there. He may have a nice big, you know, he may break off like a, a 60 yard touchdown run at some point and just kind of remind you that he's still there a little bit. But for the most part, yeah, he's done. And just so like that, the Ohio State's offense was really not very good outside of uh, outside of Travion. I have serious doubts as to whether they would have actually won this game by more than a touchdown if he was not there. Uh, it would have been a, a close game. Um, so so I think the coaching staff realizes that and, and knows that. And, and I think that he'll be in there for the long haul. Um, stock up number two. You chose two quarterbacks this week? I did. I did. Um, stock up number two for me is a guy that I was um, talking about a good amount this offseason. He's a guy that I, I liked uh, a lot. I thought he had um, some really nice potential here this year. Um, and that's, uh, Tanner Mordecai, um, you know, he just getting the, the lead role in SMU's offense, starting quarterback there. I think that's, that was big, um, you know, to get over, uh, to, to get over, over Preston stone, but he's come out and he's been, he's been on fire, uh, early on in the year. Now it's been against some suffer tough. It's been against some softer competition, but 73% completion percentage, 1,023 yards, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, you know, he's the quarterback three on a point per game basis right now. Uh, Matt Corral, guy I mentioned before, he's number two, both of them behind Bailey Zapp. But both of these guys look pretty good, and they're they're making cases for themselves in, in the draft as well. I think Mordecai is uh, is my biggest quarterback buy if I'm just looking to compete on call in college this year because um, I think the hype um, I, I like I, Brennan Armstrong has I think he's uh, Armstrong averaging more points per game or is Mordecai and Mordecai had that seven touchdown performance with one uh, yeah more Brent Armstrong is number four 36.2 okay. for Armstrong 36.7 for okay, Mordecai so they're right beside each other and I still th yeah. I think Armstrong for whatever reason maybe it's because he's in a power five uh, conference has the higher price tag I would be happy to go out and buy Tanner Mordecai somewhere. Um, and I would be happy to overpay to do it. Good luck. To be completely honest. Um, I think any, any leagues that I don't have him in, you're the person that has. Uh, <laughs> that's I why have, I said good luck. I have a lot of Tanner Mordecai and a lot of Brendan Armstrong. Uh, that's, that's a pretty deadly, deadly combo there. But yeah, I think he's an obvious buy. Zero, um, uh, zero QB stands. He looks there. like he at least, uh, I mean, what NFL potential day two 
Yes, no. Is that a little yeah. high for you? Like a third round pick? Um, I think if he keeps his performance up, I think day two is definitely reasonable. Uh, I don't think he sneaks into day one, but day two, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't, I don't see any reason why not. He, he, I, th- I mean, I think he's already better than the the guys that the Bo Nixes, the Max Dugans. I mean, all those guys that that have been hyped for forever, and he really hasn't. Um, uh, stock up number two for me is Jalen Cropper. Yeah, we talked a little bit about him earlier, having a big day. 14 catches, 141 yards, one touchdown. Jalen Cropper just produces. He's done it all season here. He's he's bulked up. He, he was like 165 or something last season. He's close to 180 now. Uh, he's six foot. Uh, so he's got decent size for the position. They Fresno has had a fairly difficult start to this season in terms of schedule. They they have played UConn and Cal Poly, but they've also played Oregon and UCLA. And in those two games against Oregon and UCLA, he's gone seven catches, 49 yards and a touchdown against Oregon. And then this weekend, that 14, 141 and one. I think he is a legitimate day two NFL prospect. He's versatile. He can work in the return game. He he separates well. He's got nice hands. I, I just I get more and more impressed with him every single week. Yeah, I think I could see day two. Um I don't think I'm I don't think it's a given right now. Um just you know coming from Fresno it's a very it's a very friendly offense. Um, and a not very a very friendly defensive conference as well from from a wide receiver and passing game perspective. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I could definitely I, I could definitely see him getting there. I do like Cropper. Um, I'll have to dig into him a little bit more from a technical perspective because uh, I really haven't dug much into him. I've watched some of Fresno's games. I watched the Oregon game. I watched this one. Uh, but I haven't watched it from like a prospect perspective, so I'll have to dig in. I'll be I'll be curious to see if I can get to to where you're at with him. Yeah, I, I just really really like him a lot. I, I more and more impressed every time I watch him. Stock down, Colin. Um, who you got? I got Mookie Cooper here, and it's it's disappointing because we we liked him. We thought we were going to see some big things from him, um, you know, and it just hasn't come through yet uh, he, he was banged up a little bit to start the season but you know he's played in his in the three in all three games nine catches for 92 yards uh that's just it's just not getting it done and and tyler Beatty is just a target vacuum he's taking a lot of the targets and a lot a lot of the stuff that i thought mookie cooper would get i thought they would scheme things for mookie cooper a little bit more and they haven't done that it's it's all kind of going through Beatty. Beatty's been awesome. Yeah. And he's, he's work. He works the exact same areas of the field that we thought Mookie Cooper would. Uh, this is probably one of the biggest shocks for me uh, of this entire um, season, to be honest. I just, uh, the way that they were using him in the spring, the way that they were all just raving about him, I thought for sure that he was, that he was a thousand yard kind of guy. Um, so, and I'm honestly a little bit surprised too. Uh, with all the the hype that Bazalak is getting, that that they can't support two players, yeah, because they really, I mean, who no one else there has really put up any sort of significant uh, market share. It's basically Beatty, and then everybody else gets like one catch. Yeah, yeah, Cooper th- is averaging like three catches a game here. It's 
and and it's not like any other wide receivers putting up the production like you said you know there was um Kiki Kism, I think, had like one huge, like 60 yard catch at some point in one of the games, but that's really been about it. Uh, it's been a lot of short stuff. You know, they, they've kept the offense um, spread out uh, horizontally a lot more. They haven't really attacked too much vertically. And that we thought is what would benefit Mookie Cooper. Uh, you know, we, we thought he would be. You know, they thought we thought it would scheme him touches and it just hasn't happened yet, like you were saying. So that's definitely disappointing. And um, given the way that that offense has been working, I, I did think that they'd be able to support two guys. But it's just it hasn't happened so far. And and we kind of have to adjust Mookie Cooper now. Yeah, um, uh, he will probably drop a decent amount in my next rankings release here. Um, I have stocked down for Jalen Robinson, and this is. Uh, a little bit of an odd one, and it's no fault of his own. He had that really nice touchdown catch in the first half last week against Louisville, but UCF ended up losing that game late on a, on a pick six. And the bigger storyline coming from that game is that Dylan Gabriel suffered. Uh, I don't know if they've officially released what it was. There was there was speculation that it was like a broken collarbone or something. Um, it, but but he has hurt his shoulder ish area uh, is out indefinitely. I don't think we like any of the quarterback options there beyond him. Um, and, and Robinson doesn't probably doesn't have much NFL upside. So really at this point, you're, you were hoping that he's a CFF producer. And now uh, it's looking like he he's much. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm with you there. He's definitely stocked down, definitely losing Dylan Gabriel hurts him a lot. I don't even really know who is going to take over a quarterback there because Gabriel got hurt. I think it was in the very last play of the game um, or, but yeah, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback there. I don't think there's going to be anybody who can support Robinson. And like you touched on, we don't know what his NFL potential is going to look like. So you were really banking on the college production from him. And I just, it doesn't seem like we're going to get it. Yeah. Uh, a really big bummer there for a team that, um, I expect a little more from this year. Gus Malzahn strikes again. Um, th this is going to be a really fun one to talk about, Colin, because I think my take on this is more extreme than yours. Um, so let's <laughs> let, let's let's talk a little bit about the Clemson offense here. Yeah, I think uh, stock down for me, number two, is the entire Clemson offense. This offense has not looked good at all, barring that one game against SE, uh, South Carolina State, and that they didn't even look that good in that. Uh, they put up 10 points against Georgia, which that's a tough defense. Sure. We, you know, we were kind of willing to give them a pass and they put up 14 points against Georgia tech this week and barely beat them. Uh, it just, the offense in general has not looked good. It's been very uninspiring. Uh, DJU 53.3 or 59.3% of his passes, 5.5 yards per attempt with that huge arm that he has. That's disappointing. He's averaging 158 passing yards per game. His one touchdown, two picks just has not lived up to what we thought he was going to be. It's not what we saw from him last year uh, where he was throwing for 300 yards, 350 yards when he, as, as a freshman in some spot starts. Um, the, you know, the, that's affected all of these wide receivers. Uh, you know, we, like you mentioned earlier, you know, are they, are they roster cloggers now at this point? Like, are they, and you don't want to start them. You know, who's going to break out for Debbie perspective? You're just kind of hanging off of the Clemson wide receiver name at this point. Uh, and then from a running back perspective, we I think we got a little bit of clarity here this week. 
Um, Lynn J. Dixon just entered the transfer portal here today um, because Will Shipley looked good. Um, he has the most carries on the team now with 33. He's got the most yards, 175. He has four touchdowns. It's looking like he's kind of starting to step over, take over that offense. So, you know, he's one, maybe one possible exception to this stock down, but everybody else has been pretty negatively affected by this, this season. I'm going to ask you uh, some questions here, and I want you to give me not like not like Kevin doing why why do lot word and a few word do trick answer, but like you're a, a very abbreviated answer to all these. I, I do not want a large breakdown for. I, I feel like you're that that's an attack on me. I feel like you're. I'm just long winded in general. You're calm down, here. calm down, snowflake. Okay. Um, <laughs> for CFF purposes, do you want Frank Ladson? No, no. What is Frank Ladson's NFL future? Um, probably late day three or undrafted. I mean, Cornell Powell got drafted, so uh, but that's but yes. Well, yeah, okay. I don't know. Cornell Powell though had like decent stats last year, yeah. at least. Like he had some production. What's Do Frank you, Ladson done? Would you ever feel comfortable starting Joe Nada? CFF? Yes. No. What do you think his NFL future is from a draft perspective? Um, his is definitely higher than Ladson's. I could see it, it's a late day two ceiling, um, but more likely day three, probably like round four or five. How about either of those two freshmen there, Bo Collins or uh, Dakari? I don't, I feel like it's too early for me to really tell on them. Um, I, I, I liked them coming in. I didn't love them, but I thought they were solid. Um, I'm willing to give them a little bit more, a little bit longer leash here, but no, Just, I'm not starting him CFF. Justin Ross. Would I'm you not want starting to him start in... him for CFF? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. And how far has his value fallen from a draft perspective? Man, that's a tough one. Um, he, could, he looked like he was a top 10 pick after his freshman year. The, the medicals I think are going to be the biggest thing on him because you can kind of explain away his lack of production this year based on just the entire offense as a whole has looked awful. Um, but that doesn't help him. He's kind of coasting off of that freshman year and a little bit the sophomore year, but mostly the freshman year. And the medicals are, are going to concern some teams. Um, probably day two guy at this point i think this this one takes like very little basically uh three word answer uh, a jew a jew you're not going to start him for cff is he rosterable no one word answer dju right now would you start him in fantasy um no and this is what I'm talking about. How many guys is Will Shipley the only guy? And I wouldn't even necessarily feel comfortable starting Will Shipley on a week to week basis. We just went through every probably relevant player in that Clemson offense. And Colin just said that he would start none of them. And I agree. And I just asked him what the draft stock is for all of them. And the best that I got was a really ho-hum answer to whether <laughs> Justin Ross is a day two NFL draft pick. This is the state of the Clemson offense right now. It is not a talented offense. It is not a good offense. And I think it is also not a well-coached offense. Clemson, we talked a little bit about this on the coast to coast. It, 
shameless plug if you're not watching that every night saturday night after the games are over you should um Clemson for the past four, three or four years has felt like a team that has recruited like a small school. They have said, we want this archetype of player at every position rec- and just recruiting ranking be damned and, and gone and got these guys. When football has been shifting smaller, they've continued to get bigger at wide receiver. That's not an adjustment that they need to make. You are Clemson. You can draft. You can you can recruit basically anybody in the country you want, or at least get into their top three or four. Them, Bama, Ohio State. I mean, these are schools that you expect to basically be able to go down their list and say, "We want this guy, this guy, this guy," and be able to get the majority of them. Instead of doing that, Clemson has said, "We want only receivers that are six three, six four, and one ninety five to two fifteen." We only want running backs that are well-rounded players but aren't dynamic with the ball in their hands, aren't great in space, don't really create for themselves. Now, Will Shipley is the 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 exception to that. But look at Lynn J. Dixon. Look at Kobe Pace. Look at Phil Maffa. And these these are not dynamic running backs. I mean, they, they have done a very poor job. Uh, they, they go after, you know, undersized tight ends, Braden Galloway, Jake Brinningstool. I don't know what they're doing. They have settled for so much talent when they should have been saying, we are going to go get JoJo Earl. We are going to go get Xavier Worthy. We are going to go get these guys that are different than what we have because guess what they have coming next year, guys? They have Adam (laughs) Randall coming in who, guess what? Guess how big he is? 6'3", 195. Yeah. wide receiver coming in there same exact player they already have they do have brennan thompson coming in who's an undersized guy but i mean it's i think Dabo deserves a lot of blame for very shoddy recruiting here and i just don't like the talent on this team at all no not on the offensive side of the ball no um I, like you said they just they they have not adapted at all to to the current nfl game and honestly the guys that they're getting at wide receiver too, like if you want that archetype, why do they not go get, why do they not try to like get Ja'Cory Brooks, you know, like make a heavier push on him um, or, or Brian Thomas Jr. Or somebody who was at least like, I don't know, a little bit better than the Collins twins that they got. Like they're not even getting the best at what they want. So it's, they haven't adapted. They're not recruiting well. Uh, at least at the skill positions, um, they're not getting guys who are who fit the modern game, and you're seeing it take a hold here. Um, the, the the offensive creativity is just not there. It's um, it, it's they are honestly one of my least favorite teams in all of college football to watch right now. I probably won't watch another one of their games live um, this year. Um, my last stock down here is Jaden Daniels. Uh, quarterback at Arizona State. Um, they lost this week to BYU in a close-ish game. Daniels has hit the point in his career where the first year he flashed, and you said, okay, year two, he needs to take a, a step. It was COVID. They played like three games. 
So last year was a wash. We made excuses for him all offseason, and then he's come in this year and been very underwhelming again. Now, I get that they're a run-first team, um, but, I mean, the stat lines this year against Southern Utah Week 1, 10 for 12, 132 yards. Against uh, UNLV, 20 for 29, 175, two touchdowns, one interception. Against BYU, 21 for 29, 265, no touchdowns, two interceptions. He is so conservative. When they need him to not be conservative, he cannot do it. And I think that is a big, big knock on him. I, I, I don't even know if he gets taken day two at this rate, even though he has tools. I'm not sure. He's coming back for a seat for a fourth year. He will. He has yeah. to. If he came out this year, he would not go round two or three. He would, he would go day three. He really, really would. So stock down on Jaden Daniels for me this year. Yeah, that's a that's a big one for me too. That one hurts. Um, he's a guy that I I liked I, I liked a lot after his freshman year. You know, obviously after freshman year, you know, you have to project some. You know, guys like him and guys like Keaton Slovis, like we projected growth, and we have not seen it, and we have not seen it from Daniels. And like you said, he's just he's way too conservative. He it's n I liked that he took care of the ball as much as a freshman. I did, you know, that's a good thing, but when he's doing it now as a junior as well, he just can't really push the ball downfield. He only takes what's there and what is like wide open. And it's, he has not taken the steps that we need. And we have, as much as I liked him, we have to adjust. Yeah. Um, all right. That's enough uh, stock up, stock down here for this week. Uh, waiver wire. This is a really thin waiver week guys. So, um, you know, if you're in a league that maybe restricts uh, waiver pickups, this might not be the week to dip into the barrel um, just because we're and we're assuming that that every week we try not to name the same guys twice. So, for instance, you know, last week we said Jaron Hall was a guy to pick up and we're assuming that you all went and did that. Uh, he was 8% rostered last week on fan tracks. You know, Seth Hennigan was 1% at Memphis. Evan Hall, Alton McCaskill, Rasheen Ali, Taekwon Thornton, Roderick Burns, Devin Maddox. Those were our guys last year, some of them, or some last week. Some of them might still be available for you, but we are assuming when we do this piece that somebody went out and grabbed those guys all last week. Um, so at, at this point, you know, all those guys are gone. All the guys we talked about week one, you know, the Brandon Thomases, the Isaiah Bowsers of the world. So at this point, we really only came up with three names that we feel comfortable uh, adding on. Uh, first one here, uh, let's go Tayon Fleet Davis first year, Colin, running back at Maryland, 11% uh, owned on Fantrax, 18.17 fantasy points per game. Good for about a touchdown a game. He is definitely their lead back. Um, and if you're having some RB trouble, I think he is a good guy to target. Yeah, I mean, I, you can you can start him in a pinch, and you don't really feel that bad about it. Um, you know, he's a flex worthy play on on most weeks at least, so he's definitely a guy I think you can go pick up. I don't really know about his NFL future at this point. Uh, I haven't really dug in and, and watched that intently on on for those types of things. But yeah, if waiver wires are kind of thin at this point. If he's still out there, yeah, go ahead and pick him up if you need somebody. Um. Yeah, I, 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 he's good for like 14 to 18 points a week. That's just kind of his range. So if you need a guy like that, go get him. Uh, Jerry Bohannon, quarterback at Baylor, is an interesting one. Uh, 23.82 fantasy points per game this year, 5% rostered. And 
Um, if you've lost some quarterbacks, you know, maybe you were banking on Keaton Slovis, who, who maybe was usurped here. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Um, or, um, you know, maybe just some, other, you know, you had, you were relying on DJU and he's, he's done nothing this year or, or Preston Hutchinson or some of these guys, uh, Bohannon could be an intriguing guy to maybe add. Yeah. I mean, don't expect anything this week. It's Iowa state. That's a tough matchup, but, uh, I don't know throughout the rest of the the rest of the season, like you said, if you missed on some some of the Debbie guys that you thought would perform well and maybe aren't, or um, or, or guys like you said, like Preston Hutchinson, um, yeah, I mean, you can do worse than starting Jerry Bohannon week in and week out. I mean, he has some rushing ups, upside. Yeah, some rushing upside, and they, they run the ball a lot, um, so that, that's fine there. The big name this week, and really the only one that I think is, is worth rushing out to get is Jalen Warren, the running back at Oklahoma State. We were uh, a lot of bodies there um, at Oklahoma State. We didn't know who would take that job. It looks like maybe it is Warren. Um, this week had 32 carries for them for 218 yards, two touchdowns against Boise. Um, if he has that job, the Oklahoma State RB1 gets the ball a lot. I'm arguing about this uh, actually with Felix right now. Um, <laughs> and I, they're, they're startable every week. So I, I think I would rush out to get Jalen Warren. Um, yeah. I don't know if I would rush out to get him. Uh, I think it depends on the way my roster looks right now, but he is definitely the most intriguing name that we have on the list here this week. Um, I like him more than some of the guys that we touched on last week. So yeah, if you if you can use running back production, you have somebody that you're willing to drop. Yes, definitely go get Jalen Warren. Um, the 32 carries this week was was really nice to see. He's increased his carries each week, so it's seeming like he's taking a bigger and bigger chunk of this pie every week. I don't know if he'll hit 32 carries every week, but I think the 20 25 carry range is very very doable for him on a weekly basis and i think that's a valuable piece for your college side look gundy has realized by now that that spencer sanders is never going to be anything really so i i do the yeah the rushing the rushing attack there is going to be featured um those are our three names for this week guys uh again like we said just kind of a a thinner week there and i still would target some of those guys we talked about the week before if they're still available you know especially jaron hall uh, be quarterback BYU, I think is still criminally um, under rostered. All right. Uh, Real or imagined our last week, you're doing this segment. Um, some, some interesting guys taking jobs over, I think is the theme uh, for this week. Um, and we're going to talk about whether we think that continues or not. The first one, Jackson Dart quarterback at USC, Keaton Slovis going down early in that game, uh, not with a concussion. And we learned that he apparently has a history of them. So that's great. Um <laughs> Uh, uh, he's, he's probably on his last legs there. Jackson Dart came in highly rated recruit this year, looked a little shaky early threw a couple picks, but settled in really nicely. Ended his day 30 for 46 for four touchdowns, 391 yards. Um, he settled this team down. The offense looked explosive with him in there. Does Dart hold this job, Colin? Man, if only somebody had said that Dart might get a starting job, start a crack at this starting job and, and could potentially take it at some point this year. Um, Due to injury. You know, it's no. a little earlier than I expected. Um, it's not for the reason I expected, but I definitely expected Dart to get a shot at the, at some point this season. And 
he looked good. Um, like you said, shaky early. Um, you know, those two picks, it's a little questionable, but he really settled in well, uh, led this team, you know, well. He was actually their leading rusher on the game as well with, uh, I think it was 32 yards. Um, so he brings a little bit with his legs. And they won this game. And they won it. It was pretty handily. So, yeah, I, I think he can hang on to this job. He is going to Keaton Slovis, Keaton Slovis. It, it is 100% happening. I don't think this is just the the wishful thinker in me. Look, there there is no longer a head coach there that, that gave him his start. It is a new head coach. Um, and I, the offense looked good. The offense looked sharp. I mean, it was Washington State. Like, wh- whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, Washington State sucks. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, he looked in control. I mean, he he was in the crowd doing the thing with the sword that they always do after the yeah. game. Or I mean, like this dude's gonna become a fan favorite so freaking fast. There's no way they can bench him. His reign starts now. Uh, it, it is his job, uh, barring you know him getting injured. I, I really, really uh, think that it's his. Uh, another guy that took over a starting job this well two weeks ago, uh, Hendon Hooker. We talked about Hendon Hooker a lot way more than we probably should have on this podcast over the summer. <laughs> um, we welcome. said all along, we thought he was probably the best quarterback on that roster. Joe Milton uh, down with an injury against Pitt last week. Uh, Hooker came into that game and was good. 15 for 21, 188 yards, two touchdowns, uh, added another 49 yards in the ground. Nice dual threat there. We said, okay, maybe Milton comes back, but he did not this week. So, so Hooker started again against Tennessee Tech. 17 for 25, 199 yards, three touchdowns. I think we had well, another nine, six, or 64 and one on the ground. There's a full-blown quarterback controversy there. I think Hooker uh, – do you think Hooker gets the job? I think he has to start this week. I don't know how you can go back to, to Milton. Um, you know, Hooker has looked – and now granted it was, tech, it was Tennessee Tech, but Hooker has looked better. Um, Hooker has led the team to, you know, a more productive offense and they get Florida this week. Uh, I think that you, you have to stick with Hooker at least at the beginning. And then if Hooker flounders, then maybe you can make the switch back to Milton, but I don't see any way you can start Milton, uh, over Hooker this week. And uh, Hendon Hooker is a guy that we talked about in the off season here is a potential nice fantasy option, especially in a hypo offense. Yeah, we, we like hypo quarterbacks, and he will add something on the ground. I, I think that um, that it's probably his job. I, Harrison Bailey must be dead. Um, I, I think he has to transfer at this point, um, which is fine. I mean, that more he, he should. Uh, don't get stuck there uh, uh, behind some of these guys, and it's obvious that it's probably not going to happen if it, it hasn't happened at this point. Um, let's, let's go to running back here, Colin. Alton McCaskill. Uh, a guy that, again, we talked a little bit about on the show here this summer. Um, we wondered there were a lot of running backs there, not necessarily a lot of good running backs, but a lot of running backs. We said it probably have to wait at least a year to get Alton McCaskill really involved. But he is out snapping all the other running backs on that team. The past couple of weeks, he's put up 20-plus uh, fantasy points. He can catch the ball. I mean, is this job his now in an explosive Houston offense? I really, really think it should be. Um, He had the most carries here this week, too, which is definitely an encouraging sign. By far the most efficient player uh, in the the backfield there, average 7.1 yards per carry. Um, So, yeah, I think it should be his job moving forward. Uh, I think we may see 
you know, a couple of the other guys linger for another week or two, but I think by the time midseason hits, you know, he's their bell cow. I don't know that he takes on a true bell cow role this year, but yeah, I, I think that he is certainly a guy that you can probably start uh week in, week out and feel fairly decent about it. That that offense just produces so many opportunities. Um for running backs for I mean Nathaniel Dell's been crushing it there wide receiver uh it, it's a good offense and I I want pieces of good offenses the other thing about him that I think is um you have to consider uh, pricing him he's a true freshman we probably get we get at least three years out of him if you include the rest of this season and to be honest as the running back at Houston you probably get a fourth I I think you have to be exceptional uh to make it to the NFL and granted I do think he's very talented uh but so, I mean, I, I, I am all in on McCaskill. I think that, that, like I said, he is probably startable week to week. And I think he is one of the bigger buys in, in C2C and in like dynasty CFF uh, type setups as well. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, he's a guy that you really brought to my attention in the off season. You know, you talked about on one of our freshman spotlights. So, uh, yeah, I, I have him in a couple different places, courtesy of you. And I am looking to acquire him in places that I don't. Deep RB stashes this offseason really included him, Gabe Irvin, Caleb Hood, AJ Green, Raheem Sanders. Like these, this was the pool of, of stash running backs that, that you could choose from. They're all coming to life here. Poor Gabe Irvin. Uh, I saw there was <laughs> patellar injury. Um, so that's not great uh, there for him. But I mean, the, these guys are all getting opportunity. I think they all have room to grow. McCaskill, chief among them. Uh, Will Shipley, Colin. Is this job his for the taking? Uh, big performance, like you said, uh, this week. Uh, 21 carries, 88 yards, two touchdowns. Lynn J. Dixon is in the portal. I think that signifies that it's his job, right? Lynn J. Dixon gave up after being there for like three years behind ETN, finally said, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah, I think that's the that's the big indicator, like you said. I mean, Will Shipley um, had three times as many carries as the next closest running back this week. He had 21. Kobe Pace had seven. Dixon had five Dixon's in the portal. Um, so it's really between Shipley and pace pace has not looked at that great this year. Uh, I think it's will Shipley's job moving forward. Um, really would surprise me to see him handle 65, maybe even 70% of those backfield touches. Cause they like to ride one guy when they get one. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, and I think Shipley, we said what by week eight, Something like that, yeah. And it took half that, so uh, <laughs> we overshot it. Sorry, guys. We tried to be conservative, um, try not to get too too hypey, um, but apparently we uh, we failed you there. Uh, wide receivers, a couple really fun names here. Uh, one of the Collins guys, Jalen McMillan, broke out in a big way. Yeah, that hand injury this offseason was out the first couple of games. Uh, this week, 10 catches, 175 yards, and a touchdown. Big, big, big performance. Um are we seeing the guy emerge at Washington? Um, yes, but at the same time, I'm not really expecting uh, 175 yards from him every week um, or 10 catches. Even this Why is not? still a, <laughs> still a low volume passing he, offense. He can't win the Heisman this year. I would be because that was my next question. Okay. Okay. Um, Still a low volume passing attack. Um, Now they threw 39 times this week. 
in a game where that they won almost by 50 points against a bad Arkansas. Well, they're not bad, but they're not a good Arkansas state team. Um, I, I don't really know why they threw the ball that many times, but Hey, whatever it worked. And we saw Jalen McMillan break out. I think he's more likely to be in like the five for 70 range on a weekly basis. So you're probably not going to want to start him, but this is a very encouraging sign for him from a Debbie perspective, which is always really where I, my interest lied. Yeah. The great, great, uh, uh, breakout there for him. I was actually a little bit worried, not because of his talent, but I just worried that that, that would never really happen for him there at Washington been kind of a, a graveyard there. And, and Jimmy Lake is just so conservative. Uh, he, he makes, he makes like Ronald Reagan look like a, you know, a, the <laughs> radical left. Um, cause uh, he's just so conservative. It's, it's so freaking annoying. Um, so I'm glad that McMillan gets his shot there. Uh, the other freshman ish, McMillan's technically still a freshman, right? Um, yeah, he redshirted. That, uh, that had a big game this week. Deion Smith, uh, wide receiver at LSU, five catches, 135 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, one of those touchdowns just mossed a, a dude in the end zone. Uh, it was a pretty awesome catch. Um, is he emerging as the wide receiver two there behind Keishon Boutte? Is that real? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously. Keishon Boutte is still the lead guy there, still the guy that we want, despite, you know, Deion Smith's breakout performance here. Um, but yeah, I mean, he looking like the next, uh, you know, the next guy up there. Um, Coy Moore had two catches. Uh, Brian Thomas Jr. two catches. Um, wide receiver slash tight end hybrid um, Jack Beck. Uh, I'm not really sure. Sh- I think they're playing him more at wide receiver, aren't they? He's listed as a wide receiver, I think, okay. on their on their like website or whatever. Um, okay, well, he had five catches, but I, I still think that Deion Smith is the guy that's emerging here as the number two option in that attack. Um, I don't think it's going to be a role that you're going to be able to necessarily rely on for the next couple of weeks, but I think by season's end, he's probably going to be the one to break out. I probably agree. Um, he, he gives them a little something that that the rest of those receivers there don't get. He's a little more of a uh, give. He's a little more of a physical uh, presence. Uh, and LSU's defense is bad. They're going to throw the ball uh, a decent amount. Um, so I, I, I don't think he's startable. But I do think if the question is, can he assume the wide receiver two spot there? Uh, I think that he can do it. He's certainly talented enough to do that. All right, Colin, the moment everyone's been waiting for start sits our weekly competition here. We each pick 10 names, 10 starts, 10 sits. We don't tell each other ahead of time. We rapid fire these off. We keep track every week uh, and uh, we're, we're competing to see who ends up doing the best. Um, last week I went 11 and nine, you went 12 and eight. So overall I am 22 and 18 and you are 25 and 14. I still think I should have gotten extra points for the Travion start call because (laughs) he put up 47. That should have been worth like 10 points for me. Uh, but alas, only one. So, uh, Colin, would you like to start us off here with the starts? Um, yeah, I suppose I can do that. Um, my first start here is uh, Kendall Milton. Um, I, you know, they get Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is, is not a very good team. And Kendall Milton uh, has kind of looked like the more explosive back there. I mean, Zamir White looks good at times too, but Kendall Milton has looked pretty good. 
it's a decent split in that backfield. It's kind of 50 50 ish, but um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think Kendall Milton's going to look at a big week this week. They'll get up big. Maybe they'll sit Samir white a little bit, man. I'm the opposite. I think Milton has not looked very good this year. Um, so I, uh, I, I cannot back that one up. Uh, <laughs> my first one here, uh, Malik Cunningham for Louisville. Um, they, Oh, where'd it go? They play Florida State this week. Florida State has uh, been uh, very kind to opposing quarterbacks this year. And last week against UCF, uh, uh, Cunningham threw for 265 yards and a touchdown, ran for another 99 and two on the ground. I expect a similar performance there against Florida State this week, and I think he is a a must start if you got him. Yeah, I I thought about putting him on there, um, but I went a slightly different route. I'm going to take Marshawn Ford, uh, his tight end. And his that's the guy who's really been the lead target for for him in that offense. Um, he has 13 catches, 50, 156 yards, and a touchdown on the year here. Florida State's passing offense is or Florida State's passing defense is bad, um, and tight end production is kind of hard to come by. So I think Marshawn Ford is uh, is a really nice play this week. Uh, my next guy up here is Jackson Dart, quarterback at USC. I think he is a a must play coming off that performance uh, last weekend. Uh, we already talked about that a little bit, and they play Oregon State. Oregon State is not a very good team, um, so so I think USC can can go out and send a message, and I think Jackson Dart can be the lead on that. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I I thought about putting him down again. I just. I went a couple other different directions here, but uh, my next one is Jaron Hall, uh, quarterback BYU. He's had some really nice performances, like we talked on about a little bit earlier, uh, but they get USF. USF's not a very good team, not a very good defense. Uh, I think he's going to have a really nice game. Um, next up here for me, Jalen Warren, another guy we talked about earlier, Oklahoma state plays Kansas state. I think he has the job there. And I think you Gundy likes one running back. And I think that, uh, there is zero reason why he won't be. Um, so I, I, another big day in the cards there for Jalen Warren. Uh, my next one here is, uh, Rajay Harris running back East Carolina. Uh, the, East Carolina passing offense really has not looked good at all this year. Um, so I think they're going to start transitioning a little bit more towards using their rushing attack. Uh, and they get um, Charleston this week, Charleston, South Carolina. Um, not a very good team. It's an FCS team. So they should beat them. They should get up early on them uh, and ride the running game. Um, next guy up for me. Jalen McMillan, another guy we already talked about. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm not expecting the same game he had last week, but I, I, you know, I think that he'll look to stay as the number one option there in that offense for Washington. And they play Cal and Cal has not been a, a great defense. They, they certainly haven't been stingy. Uh, Carson Strong uh, beat him up pretty good a couple weeks ago. So I think that McMillan can have another big day. I, I mean, I hope so. Um, that would be music to my ears. Um, my next start here is uh, Travis Dye, running back for Oregon. Um, CJ Verdell, kind of the guy that, you know, has really been breaking out here in this Oregon offense. Uh, but Travis Dye has 36 carries to his 49. Um, he has 194 yards, three touchdowns. So his production on the ground has been fairly similar to CJ Verdell. They get Arizona this week. I think they're going to get up early. I think they're going to get up big. 
Uh, they'll ride the running game as well, kind of like I was talking about with the ECU. And I think Travis Dye, CJ Verdell's too obvious, so I'm going to go Travis Dye. Interesting. Okay, uh, my next one here, Hilltoppers. <laughs> Bailey Zappi and Jared Stearns. I know people are a little scared off because they're playing Indiana this week, who uh, has a reputation as a decent, decent defense. They gave up a ton of points to uh, to Cincy this week, guys. Now, granted, I think Cincy is a very good offense, but they they are not they are not a defense to be scared of this year. And I think, ridiculous. Uh, regardless, you're just going to see a volume there that you aren't going to see a lot of other places. I expect that to ultimately win out. I, I would. I, that you have to start them every week, and I de- and I think that that stands even against Indiana. So I'm starting Bailey Zappi and Jarrett Stearns as top target. I like it. Start your Hilltoppers. Um, my next one here is Don TV and Wicks. Um, Brandon Armstrong has been really good this year, but he's been really good through the air. Uh, he's been a better passer to this point in the season than I was expecting. Uh, and Dontavian Wicks has been the primary beneficiary of that. You know, 14 catches, 346 yards, three touchdowns on the year. Uh, they get Wake Forest in what should be a pretty good game. Um, I think uh, Dontavian Wicks, Dontavian Wicks will have a nice week. Uh, next up for me is Trayson Potts uh, at Minnesota. I think he's a must start. Is that, a, is that too easy of one? I mean, I think so, but have at it. That's fine. Okay. You're good. No, keep going. They get Bowling Green. Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's cool. It's cool. I had some easy ones week one. Go ahead. Oh, cool. yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. They play Bowling Green. <laughs> all right. Um, my next start here is the uh, the duo from TCU. Not quite the duo you're thinking of. I'm saying Max Dugan and Quentin Johnson. Hey, Roger. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. No. Quentin Johnson's still the receiver, but Max Dugan and uh, Quentin Johnson. SMU is an explosive passing offense, but they're also not really that great of a defense. Uh, I think this is going to be a bit of a shootout here. Uh, and either way, Max Dugan will sit, have a nice floor with his legs, but I think he has a nice ceiling this week in the passing game. I said uh, to sit this guy last week, and it did not work out for me, so I will flip and say start him. Uh, Greg Bell, San Diego State plays Towson. For those who don't know where Towson is, it's a tiny little school um, kind of uh, near the D.C. area or kind of near the Baltimore area. Um, that's It's not a good football school. Um, I would be shocked if he doesn't have like 30 points at halftime. Yeah, I like that call too. Uh, my next start here is Taj Brooks. Running back Texas Tech, uh, they get Texas this week, and Texas got gashed on the ground by Arkansas. Um, so they're not a very good run defense. I think we could see a big day out of Taj Brooks here, who has looked really good early on in the season. Man, you you picked some tougher names this week. I feel a little bad because um, <laughs> I like disagree with like every single one you're saying here. Um, Alton McCaskill, I, I said that I think he's startable every week, and I'm definitely starting him again um, this week uh, for Houston against Navy. Navy is 0-2. They are just not a very good team defensively this year. I think that his reign as the top, uh, you know, the guy getting the most touches and snaps continues, and I think he has at least as good of a week as he has the, the past two weeks. Uh, I think we've hit that point with him. Yeah, I, maybe I overcorrected too much after week one. Um, but I, I, I'm trying to go a little bit more off the radar. Uh, not guys like Trace and Potts. Um, 
but <laughs> but my next start here is uh, Noah Kane. Um, yeah, we we talked a little bit earlier. Penn State guys in that offense kind of difficult to trust outside of Dotson, but uh, they get Villanova this week. Uh, Villanova three and zero, but they're an FCS school, and I think that they're just going to kind of run the ball. They're going to control the whole game. I think Noah Kane can have a huge day early uh, against them, and you know I I, I think he'll have a he'll he'll probably put up like fifteen by halftime. I think and then finish with a nice twenty twenty five. All right, Colin. Here's my big. Here's my tough one. How's that for you, Stephen Carr, running back at Indy or at um yeah at Indiana? I am starting this week against Western Kentucky, a a very porous defense. I think Indiana will be in the lead for most of the game. I think he'll get the majority of the carries there. He's got uh you know 62 next closest is 23 there for through three games, uh 227 yards and a touchdown on the season. I think that he uh he has himself a nice day and he's startable if he's on your roster. I mean he's not worth going to pick up specifically for that purpose. But but if you got him, yeah, I think he's definitely a start. Start him if you got him. Uh, my last one here is uh Zachary or Zachary Franklin, uh wide receiver UTSA. They get Memphis this week, and Memphis has kind of gotten shredded through the air. Um, so and Franklin is definitely the focal point of that passing attack. Uh, 22 catches, um, 346 yards, three touchdowns on the year so far. So he'll have a nice day, I think, this week against Memphis. Uh, my last one here. Uh, it's Devin Neal RB1 season. Velton Gardner Ooh. has entered the transfer portal. He is officially Devin Neal is uh, listed first on the depth chart there. They play Duke this week. Duke has given up 170 yards per game on the ground. I think this is the week where we look and say that is when Devin Neal's uh, career really kicked off. Um, so I think I am starting Devin Neal. I like it. I hope so. All right, so uh, let's name our 10 here. Colin, all in one place, just so everybody has them. Uh, your 10 starts for the week. Kendall Milton, Rajay Harris, Jaron Hall, Travis Dye, Don Tavian Wicks, Max Dugan and Quentin Johnston, Taj Brooks, Marshawn Ford, Noah Kane, Zachary Franklin. All right, and mine are Malik Cunningham, Jackson Dart, Jalen Warren, Jalen McMillan, Hilltoppers, Trayson Potts, Greg Bell, Alton McCaskill, Stephen Carr, and Devin Neal into the sits. Uh, I'll kick this one off. I'm still sitting Michael Penix. He has not looked right. He has like 25 fantasy points on the year. He just has not been good. The whole passing offense has been out of sync. I I think that this is a week where, again, they run the ball and they kind of cruise that way, give him a little, you know, a little bit of a breather. Uh, so I, I'm sitting Michael Penix again. Yeah, I am sitting Sincere McCormick this week. Um, oh, shit. He's on my list, too, actually. Yeah. Is he? All right. Well, there we go. Yeah. I I mean, he's he's gotten the volume that we've been expecting. Um, he's had a ton of carries, you know, um, outside of that week two bashing in Lamar uh, against Lamar. But he just has, he hasn't gotten into the end zone. Uh, he hasn't really looked that great on the year. And like I said, I think this is going to be uh, a pass heavier game for UTSA. Memphis is decent on the ground, but not very good against the pass. I was going to Memphis is only giving up 80 yards per game on the ground. They're actually a pretty solid rush defense. They they did a pretty good job last week against Mississippi State. Granted, not a team that's known for you know a smash mouth uh, type attack, but but yeah, I mean I, I that's why I have sincere McCormick as well. Uh, my next one there is uh, Jaden Daniels. 
Um, we talked a little bit earlier about why, you know, he, he's struggling. He's not pushing the ball downfield. If he's not getting something with his legs, he's tough to start each week. Um, I'm sitting him until further notice. Yeah, that's that. That is a good one. Uh, I almost put him as well, but I ended up uh, not doing that. Uh, uh, Austin Jones, I'm sitting this week uh, for Stanford. Um, they play UCLA. Um, they were not great last week with Ronnie Rivers, but Jones is is a little bit of a different kind of a, a running back there, uh, and he has not been getting that many snaps he's getting like 30 a game so not not great for a guy that you want to start you're really banking on a big play i don't see it in the cards for him so i'm sitting uh austin jones yeah i actually have austin jones as, as well for for the exact same reason i mean he's he's the lead back there but it's not quite by by quite as much as what i thought and he had a nice matchup last week and just didn't take advantage of it so i'm sitting austin jones until further notice as well um, my next one here, Dustin Crumb. I'm sitting again. We've talked about how difficult their their uh, out of conference is. They play Maryland this week. What is that a gimme? No, yeah, that's okay. Um, I'm not starting Dustin Crumb. Um, my next sit is DJU. Uh, like we talked about earlier, I don't think you can start him anymore until until further notice. Uh, but I don't care what matchup it is. Uh, I'm not starting him. You are really going to hate my next one. Oh, boy. <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> um, I know that he finally had a game this week, this past week. Uh, huge uptick in snaps, long touchdown. That doesn't give you the right to go out and start Demond Demas. Don't That's do it. Don't don't be tempted. This was not a this was not a springboard performance. This was a one off, especially if uh, what was it Ch- was it Chase Lane or Caleb Chapman that was out this week? Uh, I don't remember which one. It was one of the two, and that's the only reason that he that he played a lot, and that was kind of announced like close to the game. Um, I I so I'm I'm thinking that that one of those guys will probably be back, um, and so I don't do not fall for that trap. It it it's a trap. It really really is. Um, that's a bit of a cupcake, but that's okay. Cause I have one on here. That's a little bit of a cupcake as well. I, I think people just see that one mm-hmm. guy finally break out and then they like are so tempted. And I, it, this, it's not the guy to do that with like, really, you have to see yeah. a couple weeks there before you, before you go and do that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. My, my guy that's kind of similar to that is Corey Kiner, um, running back LSU. He had a nice week this past week. Um, but I don't think you can count on him moving forward. Uh, I still think that's going to be a committee. I know we wanted to see him break out. A lot of people were high on him. Uh, do not go start him this week, especially because Mississippi State has actually had a pretty solid run defense this year as well. Um, I think that's going to be a little bit more on the pass-heavy side. They're going to lean on that passing attack. So even if Corey Kiner starts to handle the bulk of the carries, I don't think this is the week to start him. A lot of the the sits that I've done well with this year are guys where it's like, it looks like a nice matchup in theory, but I think you avoid because the volume is just not going to be what we expect. Uh, George Halani, you know, th- this is the kind of game against Utah State that you probably drafted George Halani for. Uh, got 12 carries last week against Oklahoma State. Didn't do anything. I don't know if he's hurt or what's going on with him, but he just lo- he does not look like the player that he was as a freshman. Uh, I think that he is a sit, and honestly, I just I can't imagine a scenario where I'd feel comfortable starting George Halani at this point. No, I completely agree. I actually have George Halani on my list as well. 
Uh, for all the same reasons that you're you're saying there, I know you you drafted him because you wanted the the production out of him, but there's something not quite right there. I don't know what it is, but you, you I don't think you could start him until further notice either. This is uh this is a little bit of a going with my gut because uh, you just said that you think this game's going to be a huge uh, passing game. Uh, I'm not starting Max Johnson this week. I don't trust him. And I think that there's a lot of uh, young receivers there. So I think that there will be, you know, that, that, that offense as a whole will just kind of, you know, vacillate between, between pretty good and, and kind of lost as the season goes on. Um, and I think this is a down week for them. And I think that, that Johnson just does not have a great game. I actually almost put Corey Kiner in my starts. Oh. I think Kiner might have himself a decent game, um, but I am not on Max Johnson this week. I would start Keishon Boutte though. I would, yeah. There's Starting nothing like Keishon Boutte could get like shot in the head on the way to the game. And I'd be like, is like, I would just roll him out there and he'll probably start. <laughs> like, it's totally fine. He's, he's awesome. Um, my next one here is uh, the Arkansas offense. Uh, they get Texas A&M this week. That's a very good defense. Um, I, they're also a very good run defense. So I'm a little bit worried about their rushing attack. Um, Traylon Burks, we love him for Debbie. He's been tough to rely on. He's very big play dependent. I don't know if he gets that this week. KJ Jefferson's the one that could make this look dumb just because of what he can do with his legs. But again, Texas A&M, very good defense. I'm sitting all of them. Um, interesting shout there. I have uh, my next one here, Eric Azukanma. Uh, wide receiver for Texas Tech. As you mentioned earlier, they play Texas this week. Texas has actually been fairly stingy through the air, 182.7 yards uh, per game allowed there uh, as economy coming off uh, not his strongest performance. I believe he only had about 30 yards receiving this week. I think Texas can do a pretty good job on him, especially because they don't really have a second option there. Um, so I, I think I would, I probably am not starting Eric as this week. Uh, my next one is, is one that hurts a little bit here, but it's Chris Smith running back UL. Um, I, it's a cupcake matchup this week uh, against Georgia Southern, but he just has not, gotten the bulk of the carries uh, kind of like we thought we would we're seeing a three-headed attack just like we did last year um you know and he, he just has not been reliable um so i'm probably sitting him there as well until further notice until he starts to take more of a, a share of that backfield because he has 32 carries uh the other freshman there um johnson montreal johnson has 28 and then amani bailey 22 yeah, a split there for sure. Uh, here's my tough one, Colin. So you, you know, this probably makes up for one or two of the earlier ones. I am not starting Kyron Williams this week. Running back <laughs> for another day. Did you put him down as well? No, keep going, keep going. Oh, okay. Um, you, you chuckled funny. Um, I, I did for a reason, but keep going. Okay, I'll get Wisconsin there. is a really tough defense. They they are a very very tough defense. I believe they're giving up 33 yards per game on the ground. Um. I get that Kyron Williams is the whole offense. I just think that offense as a whole is going to struggle to move the ball. So I think that's going to limit opportunities there for him. Uh, and they're just tough against the run. So I actually think now, now granted, if you, if you have like no running backs on your bench, obviously you got to rule him out there. But I think if I have another option, I'm not starting Kyron Williams this week. I 100% agree. I am sitting everybody in the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. I'm not starting any of them. I'm not starting Michael Mayer. I'm not starting Chesma Lucy. 
I'm not starting anybody. I think that's going to be a very low scoring game between two good defenses. Um, I think maybe the Wisconsin running game could be decent, but Jalen Berger uh, had 15 carries uh, in in the last game that we saw him in the first half. Uh, And then they started blowing out Eastern Michigan and then they started kind of distributing it. So I think that's going to be a little bit more of a, uh, a timeshare than what we thought earlier on in the season or what we saw earlier in the season between Malusi and Berger. Um, so I'm not, I don't trust either of them. So I'm not certain anybody in this one. Um, my, I think it's my last one here. Brennan Presley, wide receiver at Oklahoma state. Look, Oklahoma state just does not feed the slot. I tried telling people this, this off season uh, to no avail, um, and I get that he had that really nice bowl game and he kind of looked like he was destined to do some nice things there, but that's just not really how that offense operates. He's been very disappointing this year. I don't think he's startable uh, until further notice, um, especially against Kansas State defense this week that's been fairly decent. Um, so I, I'm not starting uh, Brennan Presley. Uh, I am not starting any of the Oklahoma wide receivers um, like we talked about oh, earlier. With- wow. Okay. <laughs> what well so you if one of them has a big day you lose that's, a, that's a that's mm-hmm. a bold one it I, is it is okay um but like we talked about earlier they're kind of simplifying things for rattler he's not uh, i mean he he just hasn't looked quite right um they are going to start leaning on the running game i think a little bit more and they've been distributing the ball between all of those wide receivers. Mims has eight catches on the year. Hazelwood has 14, uh, Mario Williams, 13, and then just a slew of other guys down the list there. So uh, there really hasn't been one standout guy on that list. And I'm going to sit all of them until further notice because I don't trust any of them right now. Wow. Granted, I could look very stupid if one of them has a huge day. Yeah, that's, 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 that's bold. All right. That was our 10, right? I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to name your 10 again here, Collins, to get them all down in one spot? Yes. Uh, Sincere McCormick, Jaden Daniels, Arkansas offense, DJU, Chris Smith, Oklahoma wide receivers, Corey Kiner, everybody in the Notre Dame, Wisconsin game, Austin Jones, George Halani. All right, guys. And mine were Michael Penix, Austin Jones, Dustin Crum, Sincere McCormick, Damon DeMoss, George Halani, Max Johnson, Eric Azukanma, Kyron Williams, and Brennan Presley. All right, that's going to be the show for tonight, guys. Uh, thanks again for joining us here. If you're looking for more football, uh, please check in uh, with the Campus to Canton crew. Lots of stuff going on at the website. Uh, the podcasts are all up and rolling. Why wait till Sunday? Fantasy football roundtable. Debbie debates. Uh, we've all we've got it all going on. Plus the two live shows on Saturday, the tailgate, uh, 10 a.m. to noon every Saturday morning, and then coast to coast that goes on as the primetime game ends. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week, guys. We will be checking in with you on Canton Bound uh, later in the week here. But until then, I am Austin, and this is Colin, and have a good one, guys.